Welcome to the Umpiring Fast Pitch Softball Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Pete. And today we're going to be talking about part four of plate mechanics in the USA Softball Umpire's Manual. Today's topic is general responsibilities. It says for both slow pitch and fast pitch, we're of course going to be focusing on fast pitch. And we'll start off, Pete, with the infield fly. So when an umpire signals to their partner that the infield fly rule is in effect, you do so prior to the pitch. The signal is made by placing the right hand and arm across the chest with the hand over the heart. It's the plate umpire's responsibility to call the infield fly. When an infield fly is judged by the umpire, there are three things to talk about. Four. There's four? Okay. Oh, look at 2023 coming through. All right. Well, let's give them. Yeah. So, first of all, yeah. So, number one, uh, the hand over heart deal. That's I've seen that in NFHS as well. Uh, we did that. I did a USA or USSA tournament last weekend. We did that as well. I don't know if that carried over from others, but that seems to be a pretty common signal. Uh, yep. Look for that. And then so it doesn't say, and we'll probably talk about it more maybe in the base umpires, but the base umpire should echo it back to you just so he is aware that such a the infield fly is in a fly. Yeah, that's right. It also says, Pete, that it's done before, prior to the pitch, yeah. and it's prior to the pitch on that new batter. Mm-hmm. So when, it, when the situation right, first pitch. comes on. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, But it is every batter. Right. So even though, so, you know, let's say we've got runners at first and second and uh, nobody out, mm-hmm. right? And so the plate umpire is going to put the hand over the heart. The base yeah. umpire will echo that. We get through that batter, and now it's runners at first, second, and third. You absolutely do that again. Yes, absolutely. You say, yep, here's a new batter, and yep, the infield fly is Yeah, or on. even if they got gotten out, it's still first and second. Do we'll it again. Do it again. one out yes. is still an infield fly situation. That's right. Yeah. So I, what? what's the first thing you do when yeah. you – so once the infield fly has been judged, what do you do? So that means there's a – so infield fly is to be judged. It means there's a pop fly. And so it says, the umpire should judge the infield fly when the ball reaches its highest point. Step one. Number two. Give the infield fly signal by raising your right arm above your head with fist closed and verbalized infield fly. If it's near a line, verbalized infield fly if fair. C, when it's determined that the ball is fair, then call the batter out and give the out signal. When the infield fly is no longer in effect, simply tap your left forearm with your right hand to signal to your partner the infield fly has been removed. So same deal, you tap the arm so that's Take your right hand, just like kind of tap on your left arm that's down there, and base umpire should echo that back. So that's are any of those missing from yours? Yeah, so it's it's just a little bit different. They they separated out some of it. Infield fly, the batter is out. It says here, um, mm-hmm. which the, is what I say. I do say that, you know, and I say infield fly if I know immediately. So right. say it's a pop fly, the shortstop. It's nowhere near the foul line. Then infield fly, the batter's out. Is what I say. Because some people, you can't force people to have to know the rules, but some people. Infofly is really confusing to a lot of people. It is. And so they may not know the consequence of you just saying the words infield fly. Maybe yep. the first time they heard it if you're working a 10U or something. So I say batters out in that way. Right. And then on them, I don't then make sure I say, and so any runner can advance at their own uh, peril. Blah, blah, blah. I don't throw that in, right? That They <laughs> right. do have to know the rules to some degree, but let's, I just help it out. Sure. So the, let's talk about that just for a quick second. The purpose of the infield fly rule is mm-hmm. to uh, to protect the offense, actually. So. Yeah. The, uh, the idea that an offensive coach would be mad that you called the, the infield fly, you know, is, is an interesting thing. It's happened to me in the past. You know, right. a, Especially if the girl drops the ball. Yeah. But uh, the whole reason is that you don't want an infielder intentionally not getting it to triple play somebody. Yeah. Because they can, you know, step yeah. on third. Whereas on first and second, nobody's advancing. You're rarely going to get, assuming the runner runs the ball out, you're not going to get the batter runner. But if the pop fly to the shortstop... Runners on first and second, they're tagging. 
Shortstop lets the ball drop, throw it a third, throw it a second, bingo, bango, double play. Yep. Right? And so that's that's what we're preventing. By, by calling the batter runner out immediately at the peak of the flight of the ball, uh, you've now removed the force. Therefore, there is no bingo, bango to be had. All right. Exactly. Now, it doesn't nullify the fact that the batter runner hit the ball. Right. So if the if it's caught, there's still a tag-up responsibility yes. required. Yep. Um, so this one, you be careful. Really pay attention to this one. If you're the plate umpire, it's your responsibility to call it. Please call it because you can't call it after the fact. Right. Um, yeah, let's say the ball pops up, it hits the ground, and then you try to retroactively call the girl out when you did not yell in. That's... Yeah, I mean, maybe you could appeal to the rules and be like, just because I mechanics strong didn't mean that this thing didn't happen, but you, you just made yourself look really. Yeah, we bad. had a situation where a run scored, and it was it was just ugly, uh, completely ugly in the the offense. Uh, this was the, actually the time where the offensive coach got mad that we didn't call her out. Oh, that's what happened. Was the girl got thrown out at home? Was what happened, and. Um, we hadn't called the plate on. I was the base, thank God, that it wasn't me that missed that one. I've missed them before, but it wasn't yeah. that one. <laughs> thank goodness. But, uh, the yeah, so we didn't call it, and the play went home, and the girl was out at home um, because she didn't go. And the runner was forced to first, and the runner was forced from first to second, and the runner was forced from second to third, and the runner from four didn't go. Or the runner from three did not go to four because she thought, well, infield fly, but it never got called. Yeah. And so she was out, and there's you can't, you can't back that up you can't go backwards yeah i don't know this might come up in the base umpires but i think i've been told that like if you're the base umpire and the home plate umpire does not call it and you're aware that infill flies on that you as the base umpire should call it if he doesn't so it's not in the mechanics manual i don't believe that way but the rule says that it's an infield fly and um if your plate missed it or you know we do we do things different than the manual than the mechanics manual a lot if if our partner made a mistake. Let's say as an example, you're supposed to have the the runner at first and the plate umpire is supposed to have the call at third if it's not the first play in the infield. Right? Yeah. So, uh, but if you look up and you're the base umpire and you've just taken this girl as a double, you know, you, and you're halfway there and you look up and your partner's not at third ready to make that call, then you go over there and make that call. Right? Yep. So we cover for our partner when they mess up, mess up. And I think it's more important to get the rule correct than to worry about the fact that the mechanics manual says it's not my call. Yep. And then the other thing being the if-fair part, consider the conditions. They, we had one where the ball was popped up, should have been in the 5-5 hole between the shortstop and the third baseman. Seemed like infield fly was well in effect. Gust of wind, ball lands foul, Ooh. right? No longer infield fly. I think the person backed that out. Um, that was I was, in the, I was on basis for that. I think the plate backed that out and said, no, if it was, it was foul ball, it didn't happen, blah, 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 blah. But he should have called... Info fly if fair, if fair. but that's yeah. kind of a little bit unspoken, a little bit whatever. But speak it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, speak it. Yep, speak it. Because you're gonna have to explain it if you don't. Yeah, you know, and you might have to explain it if you do, but you're definitely gonna have to explain it if you don't. Yeah, and no one's say you get hassled. Let's say you're getting evaluated, and it's a windy day, and the pop fly is to the shortstop, even to the second base side of the bag, and you say infield fly if fair batters out, and then the person catches it about where it went. And then the evaluator's like, why'd you say that? You say, well, it's a windy day, and I did not expect that the ball 100% was going to remain within the diamond. And I, I think they should accept that. Yeah. yeah that's- so you just said something there that's um, 
absolutely in the manual and i break that rule i think or i break the manual um su suggestion no i call it a suggestion when i break <laughs> it, or, break it uh, yeah. A rule. but um yeah i don't say infield fly if fair batter is out i say infield fly if fair mm -hmm. uh, and that's because of this whole the idea about people don't understand the rules mm -hmm. and i don't want the batter hearing um you know batter is out i guess it won't matter though now that i'm thinking about it yeah because if it was a foul ball, then I'm just going to say, nope, it was foul. It's okay. You're still hitting. Right. You're come back. You know, so it's not like I took anything away from there. But no, but in this case, you are following the, the manual. So it's, if I were to say that directly, unless I could see 100%, I knew it was going to be fair. Because it does say the difference between point B, point, infield fly, or infield fly affair. C, when it's determined, quote, I'll add in 100% in your mind that the ball is fair, then call the batter out and give the out signal. That's the difference between 2022 and 2023. Okay. So I do it the 2023 way. There you go. Yay. You're current. <laughs> I'm good to go. All right, let's move on or we're going to make this into six different episodes for <laughs> the plate mechanics. So uh, the second general responsibility that they call out is for timeout or suspension of play. So to suspend play, you raise both arms high above your head with your palms facing the pitcher while moving out from behind the batter and the catcher. If the pitcher has started the pitch, timeout should not be granted. The pitch should be called a strike or a ball, depending on its location. So I saw this one during the College World Series, actually, where someone, one of the coaches was miffed. Very angry. a battery call for time, and the umpire granted it, and the pitcher was deemed to be, the announcer seemed to think so as well. The pitcher seemed to have been in the middle of beginning their, their motion. Yes. Um, and, yeah, the, they were not having it. That was, they almost got themselves ejected. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that people take personally, apparently. Yeah, well, very much so. And it's funny that you saw it on the NCAA, uh, you know, because those are on TV, mm -hmm. you know, so you see that a lot. But uh, they actually covered that in my in my clinic this last weekend. So we had some awesome assigners uh, so from some higher level ball were actually at the clinic. And they were talking about that in the NCAA, we were moving away from giving batters time. And um, it's it's like, hey, we're going to we're here to play ball. Right. And so we're not going to play this game, this this mind game that you and the pitcher are playing with each other. Well, and part of it is the pitcher has 20 seconds? 10-10-5. The 10-10-5 rule in NCAA. So which is, yeah, the, what, 10 to be ready or 10 to be on the plate? 10 to be, five to, whatever. So there is a time limit. We'll just yes. say, for instance, every every association has a time limit for the pitcher to deliver the pitch. That's right. And the batter cannot stand. And the batter has a certain number of seconds to be ready to prepare to hit that pitch. Correct. So if the batter is ready... And the pitcher is approaching their seconds. To, you know, again, it's what the pitcher, the hitter can't stay vigilant for ten, you know, ten extra seconds after getting set, or twenty seconds total, yeah, or two, whatever. Or, yeah, yeah, whatever you it just is. be yeah, there ready for the left. pitch and be ready for it. And it's uh, in that case, there is a penalty if they if they are dallying, if they're truly dallying. And I've seen some pitchers waste some significant time and not get called a ball. You know, yeah. Um, so it's it should, yeah. No stopwatches. This is just in your head. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen. A uh, partner of mine do almost like a basketball referee when they're doing the, the counting violation where they just kind of sweep their hand a little bit. I've seen him kind of jiggle his hands like one, two, three. Like he's, he's counting to himself as he goes. And when he gets somewhere near the, the time limit, he's going to call a ball on the batter. Or, I mean, a ball, yeah, a ball on the batter, which penalizes the pitcher. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, well, once you do decide that you're going to suspend play, though, mm -hmm. you know, hands up time and get out of there. Get out from behind there. Yeah, uh, so that, that aids in that, too. If you're not in the position to call the pitch, let's assume she lets it go. Right, even if you call time before she starts her wind up, and she still just she, whoo, whoo, ball comes, comes in. Anyway, whack. yeah, yeah, tough luck. I wasn't anywhere standing in there. Yeah, I'm obviously I'm standing here with my hands up, <laughs> and, and you know, 
three it's, feet from the catcher. And it is amazing how few of the pitchers actually see the umpire. I right. Mean, they're looking down. Or yeah, like they've they're... thrown pitches in there when the umpire's still putting their mask on back at the fence. You know, mm-hmm. they're ready to play ball, and the batter stepped in. And, you know, if you're not paying attention and, and try to kill it, they'll play without you sometimes. <laughs> so. Uh, so that's the timeout suspension to play. Next is cleaning home plate or the pitcher's plate. So if time has not been declared, call time. Move to a position facing the backstop with your back to the field of play. Use your brush to clean the plate using short, crisp strokes. Yeah. So this is how I was taught to do it, and this is how I do it. It's funny that the way it was explained to me, actually, at least to remember, is you don't want to ever just like show your butt to the, the crowd. Yeah. What's funny is every time you crouch, you're kind of doing the same. You know, every time you're in position, <laughs> sure. but that's not what we're doing. You're not going to sit there and just like bend over and you know moon the crowd with your pants on. Right. You know, it's so it's and if that's what it just takes to help you remember it. I don't know if that's the rationale to it or if it's just easier because then now I'm I'm mostly pulling the dirt towards the field instead of behind or back towards myself or like. So the at the plate, the one I I think there's an element of safety involved in it as well. And uh, and I just mentioned batter, actually batter that the uh, batter swinging, uh, but more I was thinking about the pitcher, and um, mm. you know you, you could get hit in the head, but if you if you get hit in the rear end, you know it's a lot better. Yeah, and it's a lot um, easier but, to see you if you're in front of the plate than if you're behind the plate, because you're behind the plate bent down, you can look like the catcher, right. you can look like the umpire who's in his normal position. Yeah, if they're not paying, you already said they don't pay attention. They don't pay attention. They sure don't. And then the other thing is, I mean, you with if you're doing the the home plate, you'd have your butt in the catcher's face unless she got yeah. up out of there, you know. And I can't tell you how many times I've actually asked the catcher to, you might want to stand up, you know. I've called time, I've gone around to, this thing's a mess and I'm going to be flicking dirt all over the place, you know. You might want to yeah. move, <laughs> you know. But yep. yeah, so it's, 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 uh, I think that's a good reason to do it. I, it is a little bit funny about the short, crisp strokes, you know. There's times where, um, you've got to move about a half of the, yeah. gallon of dirt off of there and mm-hmm. the short crisp isn't going to get it done but uh, no. to, to get those final pieces off yeah short and crisp yep. makes it yeah work. so a lot of times i'll do that it's almost like take the brush and i just slowly scrape along the plate to move the you know the mountain yeah. of dirt and then once it gets there i go around the edge of the thing and then as quick as you can yep you got it yeah all right, fourth, conferences. So there's two types of conferences, Pete. There's offensive and defensive conferences, and it's the plate umpire's responsibility to document them. Yes. So on an offensive conference, the umpire should only allow one offensive conference per half inning. At the end of the conference, the umpire should notify the team participant that the conference was the last one for the inning. A participant that attempts to have a second offensive conference during the same inning should be removed from the game. Ejected. Good grief. You're done. So, what's your job? Your job as a plate umpire. Preventive umpire, that guy a little do bit. Do not let him do it. Yeah. Yeah, do not let him do it. Hey, Blue, can I have... You, only already, you already have. You already had one, Coach. Yep. Uh, yeah, but, you know, you already had He's one. He's putting his finger yeah. out to stop oh, the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm stopping you. <laughs> My left hand is out stopping the coach uh, yep. coming from third base. But, uh, so yeah, preventative umpiring for sure. And we'll talk a little bit more about that on uh, these defensive conferences, too. So... I think that's an, I think that one's okay. Um, yeah. The offensive conferences, though, it's important to understand if the batter calls calls time and goes down and talks to the coach, right? So, coach said blue one twenty four, and she rips up the thing on the side of her her wristband signal system, and she looks and she looks back at the coach confused, and goes, huh? And you know, and he goes blue one twenty four, and she looks again and she hey time blue, and then runs down there. And talks to him. Is that a conference? 
I mean, it seems like yes, because here's why. Here's what my thought process there is. Again, what I said a couple minutes ago about the batter having a certain amount of time to be ready for the pitch. By not being ready for the pitch, you know, they, we've called time. Okay, cool. So what is time? Yeah, so yeah, it's a stoppage in play. Stoppage in play. Was it requested by somebody? Yeah, by a player. That's the definition of a conference. Yeah, so then it's, but is that the offensive? Because I know in defensive conferences, which we'll get to and stuff, but if a catcher calls time and goes and talks to the pitcher, that is not one of the three defensive conferences. Player to player is yeah. different than player, player to coach. To right. Coach. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yep. You got it. Yep. Awesome. So, in fact, let's jump on defensive conferences. So, each team is permitted three defensive conferences during a seven inning game. All defensive conferences can take place during the same inning without removing the pitcher from the pitching position. Yep, so that's a difference from baseball. People who might come to both and make an expectation. There's a rule in baseball that the second time you visit a mound in an inning, you must remove the pitcher. That's not the case here. That's right. So it's, you got your conferences, use them as you see fit. Umpires should not penalize an offensive team for having a conference while the defensive team... Uh, is having a defensive conference, provided that the offensive team is ready to play when the defensive charge conference is over. Yeah, and this is USA unique, not unique to, like, uh, NCAA has a different set of rules around that, right? It's a little, a little bit. So it depends on who initiated the conference. So yeah. in the NCAA, if it is a uh, coach to player, a, a team representative to player conference, then you can have a, so if the defense has a team representative to player conference, the offense may also have that same type of conference. If it is a player-to-player conference, so when the catcher runs out to talk to the the pitcher, you cannot you cannot leave the bases. So your offensive players cannot leave the bases and go see the coach. Uh, that's an important one. They can't leave the bases. That does not stop you from talking to the batter. Now, we'll see if anybody in the NCAA world is listening to our podcast. And if they are, then maybe we'll uh, we'll post the actual rule and the verbiage there. But it's a little bit confusing. But if it is a player-to-player, um, then the runners are restricted to their bases. But it does not specify that you can't talk to the batter. Okay. Uh, but that, there was another piece to this uh, to this other piece here. Don't penalize the offensive team if they get together. The same is true if the defensive team has a conference while the offensive team is having a charge conference. So. Yes. But vice versa, right? So you can, no matter who calls the conference, and now we're back in USA rulebook here. Right. No matter who calls the conference, um, you can you can go out. And um, with, the, with the same stipulation that both teams have to be ready to play. When the, when the team that called the conference is done conferencing, the other team that's taking advantage of the quote-unquote free conference got to be ready to go. Yep. So that's less often, like you would think. Offensive conference, the coach is probably not going to run out and talk to the pitcher. You know, maybe my, but that's like it's probably a quick conversation. Usually, offensive conferences are pretty quick compared to defensive conferences. I found because um, yep. they're giving instruction to one person. They're saying, "Hey, uh, you know, do this, do that. Remember, oh, remember that sign. The sign I just gave you. That's a bunt. Do you have the right play card in your wrist? Whatever. Okay, cool." And they go up there, and we usually the defensive conference is a pitcher. Calm down. We're all right. You know, hey, you at second base. Remember, ponytail up, nose down. Blah blah blah. You know, whatever they're telling them, that takes a little longer. So yep. I, I see that less often, but it is it is allowed. Yeah, for sure. So the fourth thing here about conferences is once the umpire instructs the team that is charged with the conference to play ball, both teams must immediately play ball or be in jeopardy of a conference, and it should say a, a another conference or a singular conference, I guess. Uh, being charged to them and enforcement of the appropriate penalty. So defense has called a conference. The coach has walked out, talked to the talked to the pitcher. The plate umpires walked out, 
and right. said, okay, we're done Break now. Suggestion from my experience is bring the catcher back to the plate with you. Yeah. Say, come on, catch. Come on. You know, and walk her back to the plate. Don't walk away. And the coach walks away. And then the catcher stands out there for another five minutes. Right. So you don't want to do that. So walk the catcher back with you. But if, if you tell them, okay, let's play. And let's assume that the offense got together too. Right? So the coach, and they're going to, right? Mm-hmm. The coach walks out and talks to the pitcher. If I got runners on base, they're going to go see the coach at third. Yeah. It's just going to happen. So as soon as you say, hey, let's go, let's play ball. And now the defense is ready. The catcher's back behind the plate. The batter is still down there talking with third base coach. You say, hey, I say, come on, coach. And he's still talking to her. Yep, charge conference. Boom, Boom. conference, that's it. You're getting one, right? So you didn't call the first one, but now you're getting that one. Now think about if that was reversed and it's the defense and they've already had three conferences. They got to remove the pitcher, right? They would have to change pitchers yeah, because you're not allowed a fourth conference. Now, again, NCAA, it's a little more strict. The coaches need to know what's going on. They have a big problem if that happens. So, I mean, like a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, there's another responsibility here uh, called ball rotation. Pete, you want to run us through that one? Yeah. So, this does not have to do with the spin that a pitcher places on the ball. This has to do with, you know, you start the game with so many game balls. How do we make sure those balls get in play? So, the rule says here on page 57, according to USA softball procedure, the current game ball is in play until such time as it goes out of play. However, if both game balls do not get into play during the first half of the first inning, the pitcher in the bottom half of the first inning must throw the unused ball. So we'll stop there because there's some, some thought there. So a lot of games, especially in USA softball, tournament ball, high school ball too, a lot of times you start with two balls, sometimes three, but a lot, we'll say two minimum. First inning, no one fouls the ball out of play. It's a new ball when, it, when the, it started top of the first. Now it's bottom of the first. You should take that used ball, put it in the bag, throw the unused ball out to the circle or to the player so that the pitcher at the bottom half of the inning throws the new ball. Rotate the balls. So that way, assuming the ball stays in the whole time, seventh inning, we're not breaking on a brand new ball for the first time, right? It's We've been playing with them. No, just get the balls in, get them rotated, get them attempt to be worn evenly. Yep. So by rule and by mechanic, um, that's the ball rotation, no doubt. There's... Um, there, there's some more to talk about there, but yeah. b- before we get into that, there's also the idea about these brand new balls and the pitchers, you know, rubbing up a ball or anybody rubbing up a ball. Right. And, um, so I saw something this last weekend that I thought was pretty cool. Um, two brand new balls to start the game, uh, plus one used ball. And mm-hmm. so the one new ball was given to the, to the pitcher who was started to do her warm up pitches. So now she's going to throw five warm up pitches with it. Uh, the other brand new ball was given to the first baseman to take infield with mm. and then received back and put in the ball bag. As yeah. the, so now it's been kind of rubbed up, thrown around. It's gone across the ground a couple of times. I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, I usually drop them and accidentally step on them and spin them <laughs> you know, a couple of times. But, um, you know, being the father of a pitcher, uh, that's that's something that I've had to do. But I thought that was a pretty interesting thing to give the ball to the uh, to the first baseman to, to take their little infield with, you know, yeah. when they did it. but. Uh, can the pitcher have both the game balls and pick? No. Yeah, well, no way. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, that's, so we keep going on 5A. 5A says, if both game balls have been used, so we, we got past 5 flat, the pitcher has a choice of which ball to use during that half of the inning. So if they come out there top of the, top of the second, you know, you've done your correct rotation, both balls have been used, you got a ball out there, the pitcher can start the inning, but hey, can I have the other one? Cool. 
But then B, the pitcher cannot have both game balls for the purpose of making a choice. She can have the one and ask for the other one to start the inning. What she can't do is kind of see them both and sit there and just weigh them in her hand, spin them, check for thread, you know, thread integrity, scuffness, whatever, right? They can't do that. Right. Uh, the pitcher may request another ball, but it needs to be prior to the start of their warm-up pitches. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't want this one. I want the other one. And if it's not the first inning and the, you know, the, she's forced to use the other new ball, then go ahead and give it to her. One of my one of my favorite mentors actually said to me a couple of weekends ago, I want the pitcher to be happy and comfortable. Mm-hmm. So if I can do it by rule, I'm going to. You know, uh, if she says it's a little bit slippery, if she's, you know, it got out, it was rainy and it got into the outfield and it's got, you know, maybe a little bit wet and, and yeah. she wants a new one, give it to her, you know. So we want her to be happy. Uh, but as, as we said, they're not allowed to, uh, to pick. So the umpire should require the pitcher to relinquish possession of the ball and then put a replacement ball into the game. So yeah, throw that one in first. You don't want that one. Okay. Throw it in. You know, once she throws it in, then, you know, get the other one, switch them out. I switch them out with the catcher. I don't throw yeah. the ball to the pitchers. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I hand the ball to catchers. Yep. And then uh, the umpire has sole authority to determine if the ball is playable or not. So if you want to take a ball out of play, that's up to you and you alone. The pitcher yep. doesn't decide. The coach doesn't decide. The first yep. baseman doesn't decide. And coach, so this is a this is an interesting one. So coaches will decide because it's eventually that ball is going to be foul. Yeah, and they and just don't return come, it. Yeah, it's going to come back through their dugout, and they're going to go, no, not don't send that one in there. <laughs> so. They'll do that. And then, again, this comes back to that, that pitcher. You know, if she's thrown the same ball back at you three times and said, come on, Blue, can I have the other one? You know, make her, comf- make her happy, make her comfortable, get rid of it. My opinion. My opinion. That's not a, that's not a rule. That's not a, you know, that's, the, a, that's a Davidism. Addendum. Yeah, that's an addendum from me. Yep. All right, the last one in the umpire manual on page 57 is about lineup card management. And this one is uber important uh, in tournament play especially when you get to the bracket and yeah. the games start to matter. The, all games matter. Um, yeah, yeah, right, right. But uh, the when they really start to have well, an impact. The games that send people home. Yes, exactly. Yes, the games that will terminate your participation in this tournament. Um, and where usually, now we do a lot of showcase ball, and so they're still batting a lot of extra kids and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But um, Through even, tournament exceptions to the rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So even now with, you know, Alliance coming into uh, Central Ohio here and kids getting points for their st- for their statistics and things like that, they've also added, the, the Alliance people have added an extra EP. So, you know, Junior, junior Olympic USA Softball allows for an EP mm-hmm. during pool play. Well, Alliance will say, uh, no, if you want us to, you know, be part of your tournament, then you're going to allow that through bracket play as well. And not only one, but you're going to do two. You can actually bat up to, what is that, 9, 10, 11, uh, and then do a flex and DP. Yeah. So, so 12 you, know, you can have participants, 12, 12 participants uh, playing and keeping that, uh, keeping that lineup card well-maintained is, is of uber importance. So. Yeah. What does it say here in the book? It says, uh, in order to prevent problems during the game, the plate umpire should keep an accurate lineup card throughout the game. Here are some suggestions to help properly manage your lineup card. So we'll read through these, A through E, and then we'll see if maybe, Pete, you might have an extra suggestion or two. So it says, use a lineup card holder to protect each individual lineup. Yeah, don't wad the thing up and stick it in your pocket, your shirt pocket, your pants pocket, your back pocket, your shoe. Put in a lineup card holder, right? That helps... From sweat and dirt and rain, if it's going to rain. So mine mine is uh, vinyl with kind of laminate deals. I put the lineup card, so it opens, mine opens like a book. Um, and I put the one for the 
team in the third base dugout in the left-hand side and the first base dugout in the right-hand side, fold them up, stick them behind the vinyl. That's where they are. Yep. So I've just recently gotten a hold of a six and a half inch um, and a leather-ish. It's probably pleather. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll probably put a link to uh, to that on, I think I got it from Umpatire, so I'll send that over. But we can put a link in the thing. I highly recommend it. It comes with a, a couple of magnetic closures that will hold the hold the the lineups on the opposite sides of the book. Uh, and I, I agree. You put the person in the third base dugout on the left side, the person in the first base dugout on the right side of it, and uh, put your pin in there. Yeah. So that they fit. So some of the ones that you get, like from USA Softball, the pin won't fit in it and that kind of thing. So I highly recommend this other one. And again, we'll put the link there. But So what happens at the pregame conference? Pete? Yeah, so at the pregame conference, inspect each card. What you want to see is the first name, last name, number, and position are listed. All substitutes have first name, last name, and numbers. Count the players in the starting lineup to make sure that they've used the proper number. So 9 or 10 with the DP flex or any of the EPs uh, as your tournament may allow. In fast pitch, identify the DPs position to indicate that this is the only place in the batting order in which the flex may enter. Uh, See episode 9 of our podcast. Return the card to the respective coaches for their final review. And then accept them as official when they are returned to you. So they will hand you a lineup card. You inspect it going over this checklist. You'll hand it back to them and say, uh, check that again. You know, is this this 100% what you want? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, They hand it back and you say, this lineup is now official. Yeah. So I would expand on that just a little bit, and it, it tells you to do all of the stuff I'm going to expand on, but I, I'm just going to use a few different words. When I check it, it says to make sure that they have their positions there. I make sure that all of the positions are right, there. Right, I do too. One, two, yep. three, four, five, nine. Yep. One through nine in the positions. Make sure you know where the DP is if they're using them. Some would say make sure that where the EP is if they're using them, and I would just say make sure that they're not last if they are the flex because it really doesn't matter where they are in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So you just need to know that if there are players out there that are not a one through nine, they are either a DP or an EP, and that the DP is the only one where the flex can go in and bat. So so sometimes in pool play, uh, I'll tell you this, I've been handed lineup cards that only have the pitcher and the catcher identified. Do you let that Do you let that slide? Probably. Yeah, I probably... Yeah, in pool play and, you know, the tournaments, it's um, if I were at a Nationals event and uh, were being evaluated, then no. But also, one of the things that happens at Nationals events are the coaches have a meeting that they go to. Mm-hmm. And the umpire in charge usually has a presentation during that meeting. And he'll set out those expectations to those coaches. So they already know when they yeah. get there. But we come to these free substitution showcases all the time. And the only yeah. reason you need to know where who's playing is it's because you have courtesy, courtesy runner runners. things. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, in NCAA, that's completely different. Every change, um, offensive, defensive, you know, they, they all have to be recorded always. So if the left fielder just decides, you know, on this right-handed batter, I'm going to go play right field and the right fielder is going to play left field, those need to be reported. Okay. To the, um, you know, an interesting piece here. So sidebar, if they switched on their own and nobody nobody reported it to the umpire and um, the batter hit a fly ball to the left fielder and the left fielder caught it, what do you think happens? And, and then, and then of course, the offense says, hey, whoa, 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 she's not supposed to be in left field. She's supposed to be in right field. What do you think happens? Uh, you're asking me, so I wonder, is that like, is, it, is she getting nailed for like the, the, the uh, penalty for an unreported substitute or something? Yes, Which and we replay it. Oh, really? Yep. 
Replay it. Send the ball say, back in here. Ejected from the game. Send the ball back in here. Okay. Wow. And if it was if it was three two, yeah. Then it's three two. Try again. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I've, I've never heard it before, so that was a new one on me. All right. Um, so during the game, you should record the following information on your lineup card: substitutions. Sure. Of course. Re-entries. Absolutely. Part of the substitutions. Movement of the DP and flex in and out of the lineup. Yes. Defensive conferences. Uh-huh. How many are we allowed to have? Three in a game. Three in a seven-inning game. Offensive conferences. Because you get an extra one after it goes to extra innings, right? You sure do. Every okay. inning you get one. Okay. Yep. Offensive conferences and then courtesy runners. Courtesy runners. Yep. yep. And so the courtesy runner is important uh, because uh, same courtesy runner cannot run for... They can run for multiple people as long as those people occupy the same position. So your courtesy runner can run for the pitcher, whether the pitcher is Susie or Bonnie. Uh, but she cannot run for the catcher. Even if Susie was the pitcher and is now the catcher, she can't run for Susie no more. No more. She, she runs for someone else has to run. She runs for the pitcher and the pitcher only. Yeah. Yep. And that's why you keep track of it. In order to properly manage the lineup card, you should understand the principles of reentry and substitutions as well as the shorthanded rule. Word. Also, when can a player be get added to the lineup card and what to do about an incorrect number or position on the lineup card? So yep. it says we should be aware of these things, and it doesn't tell us what they are. Yep, go back so, to the rules is yeah, what it says. This is in the rule book. So, and maybe because they think the rules might change a lot, I'm not sure. But um, it's also super important to come up with a system so that you can understand... Uh, what your lineup card looks like right. when somebody comes in or comes out. So, and you can easily explain it to someone else if the game is continued and different umpires finish your game. Yes. Uh, yeah, that can happen where we have a rain out, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it got dark, and uh, we had to finish you know, another time and, and different umpires are there. So, Pete, I use the, a combination of scratched out lines, single lines through numbers, circles around numbers, yeah. and double lines through numbers. Yep. So a double line through a number says she's done, she's not in the game, and she can't come back. Yeah, so I um, do. So if we have a lineup card, position one in the lineup is player one. And now we want to substitute player two. I will put a slash, a vertical slash, looks like the uh, division symbol or something, the uh, you know left to right, uh, and uh, through their number, and I'll write two to the right of that or wherever the lineup card allows me some space. And then I will put what inning that occurred in, in top or bottom. Uh, and then let's say that now player one re-enters. I will circle the one. So now what I have over her number is a circle with a slash through it, like the Ghostbuster symbol. Uh, and then let's say another sub comes in, again, two is put back into the game. I now put a second slash, which now effectively makes an X. So now a player is done from the game when I look at the lineup card and see an X through her number with a circle around it. So her re-entry's been burned, and she's been subbed out twice. She's done. For sure. Yep. Love it. That's how I do it, too. Um, and then E says managing your lineup card is an integral part of overall game management. And that couldn't be further from the not truth. That's, that's the, <laughs> it couldn't be more accurate. That couldn't be more accurate. Yeah. Um, that's the, a, a good lineup card will save your skin uh, and your bacon. All right. <laughs> All right, that's it. We made it through. Plate mechanics done. Four episodes in. Oh, my goodness. We are the champions. That is a lot. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yep, see you next time.